The wait is over. The Shy returns with new episodes on Paramount+. Plus. What brings you to the Shy? Opportunity. Everybody get down! Walk right up to the A new rain is coming to the South Side. Never should have sent a boy to do a woman's job. The Shy. New episodes May 10th. Visit ParamountPlus.com slash The Shy to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. Subscription auto-renews. Restrictions apply. Today on the Online Enquirer podcast, it's 45 minutes of football talk, Illini football talk, with All-American linebacker, Illini Enquirer football analyst, Jay Lehman. Is there anything more I need to say? I don't think so, because Jay Lehman is appointment listening, and he is yet again today. Uh, we've had some really good podcasts here this this past week, if I don't say so myself. Uh, Warren Tate, Shauna Green, the guests make this podcast, you guys make this podcast uh, by supporting it. But uh, this was a fun one as we dive into Illinois football with Jay about how does a defense succeed and continue its really high bar after its play caller, after its architect leaves to go coach uh, a Big Ten West rival and Ryan Walters at Purdue. What does Barry Lunny Jr. need to do in year two uh, to take the offense to another level? How does that personnel match up with what he wants to do after losing his number one offensive piece in Chase Brown. How's the Illinois secondary and defense perform with losing four players to the NFL? How good is this defensive line, this defensive front? How good is this offensive line? And what can we expect from Luke Altmaier? We break it all down and we learn new stuff every time with Jay. And there is stuff throughout here that he makes phenomenal points about, uh, including about one of the running backs I thought was was really, really interesting and what he expects out of Aaron Henry and how to use this secondary. So great stuff as always from Jay Lehman. Just sit back, relax, learn a lot about Illini football and football in general from Jay Lehman, the All-American linebacker, next on the Illini Enquirer podcast. All right, it might be the offseason, but we got to get some football chatter. Jay Lehman, All-American linebacker, our guy, Illini Enquirer football analyst. Uh, the people have been clamoring for you, man, so they, they want some Jay Lehman football talk despite it being May and three, four months away from the season. Sure. Well, I'm glad that I'm glad that by popular demand, we're having a podcast right now to uh, feed the Illini faithful some football stuff. Well, yeah, it's, it's kind of like an off-season summit here because I, I want to I get nitty-gritty. Uh, we were talking at the open practice, the spring open practice, sure. Jay, and I know you were able to talk with the staff a little bit about their team, so you have some really good insight here. But I want to start big picture with this team and, and then narrow it down. They go 8-5 and five last season, obviously a breakthrough year, really a breakthrough first two months. Didn't end all that well, losing four of their last five. Now there are some good teams in there. Sure. But what did that season mean for the program? What changed for Illinois football there? Well, I, you know, I, I would say from the jump, I saw a difference in this program when I go to the Indiana game. I know we lost that game. But again, I saw Illinois beating up a Big Ten opponent. I knew it was Indiana. But from the line of scrimmage, if you look at the numbers in that game, they dominated the line of scrimmage. I was really impressed by the DB's physicality which uh, obviously that, that came to fruition with three draft picks, right, in the, in, in the back end um, and, and a top five pick, um, but also the defensive line. Uh, I mean, I th- thought, okay, I see these building blocks. 
And then when they went on that run in October, it was like, man, this could be a really special season. And I think that's where, uh, you know, if I had to put a, a pinpoint, I think the Iowa game was really the game. So Wisconsin, Iowa, those two weeks was really the game. They said, wow, we, we've arrived a little bit, right? I mean, Wisconsin was kind of in flux because they had some coaching issues and whatnot. Iowa has been a bully to us for years. But that, I think, when you think about turning points of a program or of a era, we'll call it the Brett Bielman era, that was the turning point of like, okay, we're, we're here to compete. Um, I know we did some stuff against Virginia and Wyoming, but these games uh, are really important and we've made a shift. And uh, I, I think we wish they would have finished better, but I also thought, man, this is the first time they've been in that position. So overall, I think it was a, a turning point for this program. And, um, you know, and following, I know you follow a lot of the recruiting and stuff and what you do at Alana Inquirer. We're at least in the conversations with the right people. We saw that a little bit last year as well on the offensive line side specifically. Isaiah Adams came here, had a tremendous season, but we're in the right conversation with the right people. And I think knowledge is building that sustained success, which has really uh, been elusive for Illinois, right? So, uh, but right now we're in a good run and still in the upswing. Yeah. And I think that's what this season is all about, right? Is like, Yes, you want to improve. You want to be better than eight wins, but it's also about sustaining success, Jay, which, as you know, after 2007, weren't able to sustain it. After right. 2001, not able to sustain it. So right. this defense was elite last year, and we see that play sure. out in the NFL draft. Could have more guys enter the NFL draft to get drafted if they would have gone, but we'll talk about that in a bit. But you lost the architect of that defense. You lost the play caller, and you promote internally. So my question for you is, what is the key for Aaron Henry and this defensive staff, which includes two new assistants with Kevin Kane at Purdue with Ryan Walters, sure. to keep this going? And what is that dynamic like as a player when you lose uh, your defense coordinator as a star? Yeah, I, I think, you know, Ryan, Ryan was a star. There's no doubt about it. We, we can't get around that, and that's why he's a head coach at a Power 5 school and unfortunately in our same division, right? Um, but I, I think there is something to say there's some continuity behind it, you know, as far as um, the same schemes and whatnot. And I got a chance to talk to Aaron Henry a little bit in spring ball. Aaron, what is your confidence that these defensive backs can play at the same level that Sidney, uh, Quan, and uh, of course, Spoon were able to play at? Um, I don't think he, I mean, I think he's confident, but he also knows, man, there's a big experience gap there, right? I mean, we look at it, we, we saw some, uh, we saw Tyler Strain come in and have some solid minutes. Um, is it Xavier, last name Xavier? Scott, yeah. Yeah, Xavier Scott. I was going to say Xavier Price. Play with the Xavier Price. You get all the names mixed up when you're an announcer. You play on different teams. All the Xavier's kind of – Xavier Fulton came to mind right there. Oh, Illinois lineman. But, you know, you have Matthew Bailey who put some solid minutes. So you, what's great is – and this is how you build a program. This is something we've never really had consistently is what happens in Illinois, just to give you a brief history – uh, and I'll get back to the defensive question, is you get a class that gets it. They play way too early. They get beat down. But then all their experience gives them an ability to play with the highest level in the Big Ten. Happened in 2007. To a degree, happened last year. Okay? And what ends up happening is those two- and three-star recruits can play with four- or five-star recruits because they have all this experience, right? But what we've never been able to do is filter in some young guys during those seasons to get experience – 
kind of like Ohio State is always filtering in their young guys. It feels like they never have to reload. They're just there, right? They're constantly loaded um, because they're getting experience as they go, maybe in garbage times of games because they're up high enough or whatever, but they're actually getting game stuff. So what I'm excited is that I saw this defense last year filter in guys that they're going to need to play. Some of them went to the top. Gabe Ackes would be one of those, right? Started to filter in maybe week one, week two, is getting reps. Zeke Holmes goes down. Well, shoot, he gets into the starting lineup faster. Matthew Bailey, we start seeing him get more and more reps. Tyler Strain as uh, Taz Nicholson gets banged up, right? So we see these guys get the reps. So one thing that's great is a lot of these guys have game experience. That's huge. You cannot replace that, okay? But I don't think they're going to be able to play at the level on the back end that they played last year. I, you just – guys – Having a top five pick for any school in the NFL draft is a rarity, right? The fact that a cornerback could go top five, right, in Devin Witherspoon. We don't have that this year. There's no question about that. I think the D-line's going to be a strong suit, but I think we're going to see the biggest leap in the linebackers. And so I'm excited to see the linebackers play, and not just the outside linebackers and Seth Coleman and Zeke Holmes and Akis and some of these guys that get more of the fanfare. Uh, but I think Rosiak's going to have a decent uh, decent year. Uh, I obviously, let's not forget about Tariq Barnes. I think he's probably the most underrated guy on the team as far as what he brings to the table. And I think Tariq Barnes uh, could be an NFL player. I'm glad to see him come back. So when you have all those pieces, getting back to your question, as you know, I like to get long-winded, Aaron Henry has the pieces with enough experience at each level to really make it happen and have a good year. Can they be as good as last year? I doubt that, okay, if I'm honest, because they had an exceptional year as the number one scoring defense in the country. And so I, I don't think it's going to be at that level, but I do think Aaron Henry has experience and pieces, and they've recruited fairly well on defensive side that maybe some of those guys can plug in and start to fill gaps as well. We'll get into the offense a little bit later because that, that's a big question mark too, obviously. But um, let's start with that defensive front, Jay. Sure, um, sure. Retention was phenomenal for, for this staff. I mean, I know you lost right. Spoon, you lost a couple guys in the NFL that were seniors, but to get all these guys back, Johnny Newton, Keith Randolph, I'll say it, Gabe Ackes. I mean, there's some SEC teams that wanted him. Sure. Uh, to get all those guys back is, is amazing from a group that was really, really good. How good can this defensive front be, and how like where would you rank this in the Big Ten among defensive fronts? That's a great question. Um, I think you can make the argument that Illinois had the best defensive front last year. You could make that argument, right? When you look at Johnny Newton's production, um, you could make that argument. Now, I, I will say there there were some you know, Van Ness over at Iowa, great defensive lineman. Ohio State seems to have a lot of guys that can edge rush and whatnot, although they haven't had the premier edge rushers that we saw during the um, Chase era of the Bosa brothers and Chase Young, all, all those guys, right? So. Uh, Michigan has been solid, but they certainly didn't have the defensive line that they had two years ago with uh, uh, Hutchinson and Ojobo or something like that. I, I forget all the names, but that, uh, that's why I think this is an era where Illinois, you know, quite frankly, I, I, I have them rated as the top D-line in the Big Ten. I'm not sure anybody is better. I'm sure we can make arguments about that. But when I look at the – I'm sure there's guys that are higher ranked, right, star-wise and everything – but when I look at just production from a defensive line perspective in Johnny Newton, nobody's more productive than Johnny Newton, right? From an interior, we call it a five technique, but but basically a defensive tackle slash defensive end in that defense. 
The, the biggest jump I think somebody can make is Keith Randolph. I think Keith Randolph can take himself from what I think would be a later round pick this past year to a potential, you know, top two or three round pick if he has a big year. He has the athleticism. He has the frame. Um, I'd like to see Keith, and I know he would say this, uh, be more consistent game in and game out. Some games he is wreaking havoc. And some games as a D lineman, that happens, right? It just, sometimes it comes to you. Sometimes it goes away from you. But he wasn't as consistent as Johnny was. Both are phenomenal players. I think Keith would say, yeah, I could be more consistent day in and day out. He's a great football player. I think Gabe Ackes is just scratching the surface, honestly, I mean, as, a, as a true freshman. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised to see him in double-digit sacks. Um, I, what I love is not only the athleticism and the, the, the power in small spaces that Brett Bielma talks about a lot with Gabe, but he gives tremendous effort. I think the guy that has maybe the biggest upside of the whole team, though, is Seth Coleman. I agree. Seth is, you know, uh, I think he's listed at 6'3", but he looks like he's 6'4", rangy, tall, can bend. You know, guys like me, we were waistbenders. He's a knee bender. I mean, he's got more flexibility to come off that edge. Um, but what I'm looking for for Seth this year is there were some games he was the guy. He'd make two, three, four plays in a row, and you'd say, wow, he, he stopped the, dra- the, the drive by himself. And in some games, you wouldn't notice him that much. And I think he's just – he's got to be a guy that day in and day out brings it. Because I think Seth could be an NFL draft pick. I, 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 people may not see him on the radar right now. And then I think you also got to think, okay, Zeke Holmes is a solid backup to those guys. I know – I think Jared Beatty's playing that position as well. Al Bryant. Uh, yeah, so they, they've got a lot of guys – uh, if you're going to play a 3-4, you've got to be deep at the outside linebacker position because you're going to roll through them. I mean, pass rushing, coverage-wise, and different things are very difficult. So that, that's what I see up front. I think Seth Coleman has the opportunity. Keith Randolph, too, but the biggest leap could be Seth Coleman. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, Gabe deserves all the attention he got, but Seth Coleman sure. was was a game wrecker at times too. So to have two of those guys, along with Keith and Johnny, of course, T. Rod Edwards now going to play a bigger role at nose. Uh, yeah, that's a good point on the nose. I thought Calvin Avery. You know, uh, we, we got I got to give Calvin Avery credit. I think he was one of the more improved players. There were some games again we we saw him dominate the center, get penetration, and. You know, one one time we'll break this down there in the season, but when a center is able to get – when a nose tackle dominates a center, okay, uh, it basically cuts the offense in half because you because what happens is that back has to cut back right away. So now half the field is cut off from the jump of a zone play, from the jump of a run play, and that makes it infinitely more easy for a defense. We saw it sometimes. And I think t Rod Edwards could be that guy. I still think they're looking for another guy, too, that could really be a guy that gobbles up. Great 3-4 defenses. You know, think Casey Hampton of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, those guys are are huge. Tony Saragusa uh, of the Baltimore Ravens. Huge blocking gobbler-uppers. I don't know if that's even a word, but they, they gobble them up. That, that fits Tony Saragusa as well. Yes. Um, you said you're high on the linebackers. Obviously, Tariq Barnes, steady, reliable, team captain, Jay. Uh, we know what we're going to get out of him. Sure. But uh, C.J. Hart transfers to Oregon State. I think that's because of Dylan Rosiak's rise. I was really impressed with him during spring ball. But Dark Angel played a key role, so they like to filter in three guys in those two spots. Uh, Rosiak uh, obviously is going to step up, but Kanena Odaluga kind of played that dime role. Maybe we sure. see a James Kruitz. What what makes you high on that linebacker group? Well, here's the thing. Do I think they're going to be as good as the D-line? Absolutely not. Do I think that they're going to make the biggest jump? 
Absolutely, I do. I th- first of all, I think Andy Boo's a, a great coach. Uh, Andy has been a coordinator at multiple Big Ten institutions. He was a coordinator at Stanford as well. And uh, he's done a tremendous job, I think, with the with the linebackers. It's been a little bit unsung because, let's be honest, all the attention went to the D-line and the, and the DBs last year. There's right? not many plays but, to be made. Like Tariq Barnes didn't have these flash plays because the, everybody's making is, in front of him. This is what I always give this thing. I, You know, we had such a good D-line in 2007. I always say, man, if my D-line was worse, I could have led the nation in tackles, but they were making too many plays, right? So, I mean, we had Will Davis, Chris Norwell, Doug Pilcher. I mean, some really good players on that. Dave Lindquist, Mike Ware, a lot of good players on that D-line. And, uh, you know, as a linebacker, you get a lot of your tackles for loss taken. Most tackles are done before you even get there. And the better the defenses are, the lower your stats are because you're on the field less. Right, so that, that's kind of the catch twenty two. You can lead the na- nation in tackles in two thousand six when your defense isn't great and your offense gives the ball back all the time. Right, so that that, that there's always there's always catch twenty twos. But I think although uh, Dylan Rosiak is, um, am I saying that right? Rosiak? I believe is how you say it. Um, uh, what, what I like about him, although he's undersized, he, he I saw him on special teams played well when he got in there. I, I know that the coaches are really high on him, which is they see something in this kid, right? I think he's from the same area as Jake. Same uh, high school. He's uh, he's like best friends with uh, Lane Hanson, who uh, is, gotcha. is Jake's okay. brother. Yeah. So we've had good success with backers out of there. You know, Jake was was a great player here, and um, so I like him. But I think Tariq Barnes, uh, who we got to give credit to Miles Smith because he found him in Memphis, I think, years ago. I think they're going to be really so. I think they're going to take the biggest jump. And when I'm talking to the coaches, they feel that their linebackers could be. I think one of their most improved spots. And so I'm excited to see what their linebackers will do. And I think that might change how they run the defense more. You know, if you got two linebackers you really like, um, you know, or two or three linebackers you really like, you might take one of those DBs off the field at some point, right? And say, hey, we don't, we have three DBs we really like, but we have three linebackers we really like rather than four and two, which was basically all last season. So I want to ask you that, Jab, you knew it was four guys all with NFL contracts from the secondary. No one's sure. expecting the secondary to be as good as they were last year. You hope the defensive front helps that, of course. But if you know, we'll see how this all filters out. I would imagine Matthew Bailey, Xavier Scott, Taz Nicholson are, are really good bets to start. Tyler Strain's going to have his opportunity. They've added some transfers. Demetrius sure. Hill, a freshman All-American from Ford International. We'll see how that all sorts out, but what does change if you're Aaron Henry about how you can play your defense, how you employ your defense, how you use it? So, so great question. Let me just, I was thinking about this the other day. So um, before I answer that, go back to the Virginia game, 2021 at Virginia. We were shredded by Brennan Armstrong in 2021. Now think about that. This is why you can't judge a football team or player until they're totally done with their career and developed all the way and know their know their, and the coaching staff. We had four NFL DBs playing in that game. Think about that. We had Kirby, Joseph at safety, you had Sydney, you had Devin Witherspoon, right? And of course you had Quan. Right? Five, five. Tony Adams. Tony Adams. <laughs> oh, and you, and you had Kendall Smith who's Back on a contract, you know. So let's just say six. Oh, we were deep as anybody in the country. We got tore up that game, right? So I think Number one, there's something to be said about coaching and improving players, developing them over the long haul. We cannot 
lose sight. It's easy to lose sight of that, right? When, when you're when you're eight and five, and but but don't lose sight of that because it shows the development of players. But if I'm Aaron Henry, as far as schematically, is this is the biggest weapon I have is pressure on the quarterback. Listen, every DB is great when a quarterback doesn't have time to throw the football, right? That's that's the key. But I don't think they're going to be able to run their man coverage like they ran last year. I mean, if we look and we were to do a self-scout, which is what coaches do on their own offense and defense, you would see 80% of the time, Illinois manning up on people and basically saying, hey, our D-line, we're going to bring five, okay? We're going to bring five. We're going to bring both of our defensive uh, uh uh, uh, outside linebackers and three defensive linemen or four, four or five, and we're going to man you up, mm-hmm. right? And we're going to have one high safety, usually Sidney Brown, because Quan would come down and guard the number two receiver. And we're going to have one low linebacker that helps out. That's called man-free coverage. Yeah. Uh, I don't think they're going to be able to do that. I think that's always going to be a part of Illinois' defense. I just think what you're going to see is you're going to see um, some more zone. I don't think it's going to be you know, way really, really soft. But I do think we're going to see more zone coverage. I do think though, um, what you're, what you're, what you're going to, they're not just going to rely on the D line to get pressure. I do think they have confidence that their linebackers can bring pressure. I actually think they're going to bring more linebackers uh, pressure wise. And here's why, because they can't hold up as long on the back end, right? They could hold up for three, four seconds. And guess what? Johnny Newton's going to be there, right? I think they're going to bring more pressure up front and say uh, with, with linebackers and outside linebackers than they did before, because I think that's their strength, right? I think they can get pressure with four, but I think you're going to bring more pressure and play more zone and have less man. That's what my thoughts are. Yeah, they led the country in man coverage last year. Um, wasn't quite eighty percent, but it was close. Jay, it was seventy something percent. So. Okay, so I mean, I mean, uh, that was me spitballing, but yeah, no, exactly. Right? It's like when I look at the film, it's like, man, you know what you're running. I think, and, and Brett's made this comment. If you listen to his press conferences, man, I have so many scouts tell me they love how we play, right? Mm-hmm. Well, the reason they love that you play, the way that we play as a scout, is you can really see what a defensive back can do in man coverage, right? So right. if I'm a scout, I I want to see the guy in man coverage. If I'm a defensive scout and I'm, and I'm looking for a D-line, I want to see, can a guy actually get pressure in a one-on-one situation, which we have a ton, and so – I think they love the way we play one because it's kind of old school, but two, it's simple, but three, it's really easy to scout. It's like, okay, well, obviously Devin Witherspoon. I mean, I think the stat was crazy and man to man coverage. He gave up like one catch for negative one yard. I mean, I don't know if that's actually true or not No, in press coverage. This was quoted by my Mike Greenberg draft night. Yeah. I did not know this was a stat, but in press coverage gave up one catch for negative one yards. I don't know if that, I mean, that's insane if that's true. So yeah, on uh, PFF, according to Pro Football Focus, 107 press coverage snaps a season. He allowed a grand total of one yard. One yard, okay. One yard. Which is like, which is like, I mean, that that you can't even do that on Madden, right? Or on, on I guess EA Sports now because it's back. But uh, you know, so I, I just, I think it's going to feel different. I think it's it's going to be a different little bit of a style. But I also think they're going to be figuring out the first two or three games, which I know they got to figure it fast. I mean, like they had some games early on, Penn yeah. State, notably in week three, I think. You know that they've got to be ready to play. They'll be tested on in, in, with speed. Toledo MAC champion, um, Kansas, pretty good passing offense last sure. year. So uh, they'll be tested early. 
Okay, Jay, let's switch over to the offense. Made some strides year one under Barry Loney Jr. Sure. What did we learn about Loney, and, and what are the keys for this offense to take another step forward? Well, I, I, I think what we learned about Loney is that he's the offensive coordinator and a head coach called Brett Bielema. And I say that because it had a lot of Brett Bielema on this, on this offense, right? Um, it certainly didn't look exactly like the offense we saw out of UTSA when they they beat us in 2021, right? Um, but I think they want to get to that, okay? And I, I, let me just say, Tommy DeVito, wow. I, you can't say enough about what he did, right? And, and what he did well with his legs as a leader, toughness, accuracy, right? I mean, he was an accurate thrower. But let's be honest, Tommy struggled and the Illinois offense struggled to throw the football down the field. Mm -hmm. Not just Tommy, but the, the whole offense. And what ends up happening, especially later in that season, the uh, the cat was out of the bag. Uh, hey, let's stack the box and we'll rally to the 15-yard throw and let's stop Chase Brown. And that's really what happened because they really couldn't stretch the field at all, right? That being said, when I look at what this offense will look like in 2023, and talking to Barry uh, in the spring, I think he's got a lot of confidence that the passing game will be improved this year. Um, you know, whether that's Altmaier or somebody else, um, I think he's got a lot of confidence that they're going to be able to implement things that they need to be able, that, that he wanted to do last year, that maybe they just weren't able to do. And, and he even said, like, you know, the offense went through Chase because it had to, because that was their best player. But sometimes to our own detriment, that might have slowed us down a little bit, right? Yep. And I think a lot of Illinois fans would probably agree with that, right? Yep. Um, he's not saying it's right or wrong or that Chase was a bad player or that they shouldn't have done that. It's just kind of where they are at from a program perspective. I think the passing game will be much more evolved. Last year, really all we saw was a little bit of RPO and hitting the slant. We had a little bit of bubble screen action. And occasionally, occasionally, we would hit, take a shot down the field, hit a tight end, or hit somebody on a corner or a comeback route. That's about it when you looked at the passing offense. Hit Chase out of the backfield a couple times as well. I think they have all that stuff, but I think we'll see a lot more vertical concepts. When I say vertical concepts, I'm saying post routes, go routes, uh, deep fades, all those different things. Now, do we have the guys to do it? That's another question. Yeah, I think let's start with quarterback. Luke Altmeyer, we saw a couple open scrimmages, Jay. John Paddock, the Ball State transfer, comes in. This is Altmeyer's job. Um, he, he's going to be the guy. He got most of the first-team reps. Of course, they're going to keep it a competition until probably a couple weeks before the season. Donovan Leary stepped up. What do you think about what they have at quarterback? Well, I, I got to see Altmeyer's ball, and I hadn't really seen him throw the ball. I had heard he had a decent ball. But first of all, they said that he's a, he's a pretty smart, savvy guy. He's got three years to play. Certainly doesn't have uh, – he does have live game experience, but not the live game experience that Tommy had, right? So I think there's going to be a learning curve a little bit the first couple of weeks with Altmaier. His ball is a very catchable ball. It reminds me of Les, uh, Wes Lunt. Les Lunt. Wes Lunt. Um, in that, that, you know, Wes didn't have a rocket arm, but he certainly had a very catchable – touchable bar ball as opposed to juice Williams who had a rocket ball very tough ball to catch right I'm not saying but I mean, people say the same thing about Brett Favre right I mean he had a rocket arm kind of tough ball to catch broke a lot of fingers of receivers um but I what I really like is I like the touch on all my we saw a couple corner routes that he hit in that scrimmage which is a very hard ball to throw from the opposite hash for a college quarterback to hit 
And I was I was pleased with what I saw with his accuracy um, and his touch. I think he's the best athlete of the group. I think Paddock can run a little bit, but but I would say that Altmaier is the best athlete, which we saw what two or three first downs, which was we said what Tommy DeVito is going to get with his legs, can do for a team, yep. right? When you need two or three first downs and stuff breaks down because our guys aren't open and you make one guy miss as a defensive lineman and you, and you get the first down, that can be huge. So do I think Altmaier is the guy? I do. Um, I'm just really – I think that's the most intriguing part of this whole season. Not necessarily – the defense is going to be changed, but how does the passing game take the next step? Because I think they're always going to be able to run the ball. They obviously have the horses in the stable for that. We'll get to that. But how can Altmaier take the next step in Barry Lenny's system? What do you think about what they have at wide receiver, Jay? I mean, you get three starters returning. Hightower's gone, but Isaiah Williams, Casey Washington, Pat Bryant, who I think is a huge key to the season. But uh, they got some youth coming in. I know they're trying to add a Juco here. But is, is, this, is this a solid position yet for Illinois? You know, last year I thought they were really – behind at the receiver position compared to the rest of the conference. Um, we had seen flashes from Pat Bryant in 2021, but I, I think Pat Bryant's a legitimate Big Ten receiver right now. I really do. I think he's got to be able to stay healthy and he's got to be able to uh, you know, consistently beat his man down the field. But I think he's going to be a guy this year, a real legitimate dude. I think Isaiah's gotten better and better and better. The thing with Isaiah is – I mean, he can get 100 yards receiving easily. Half of it might be on that little pitch reverse play, right? That comes as a, a catch and uh, and whatnot. But he also had times where you're just like kind of head scratching. We're like, man, I feel like Isaiah shouldn't have made that play. Some of the Iowa plays and whatnot and, and, and tough games. And people have those games. I think he's going to clean that up. I really do. Um, so I, I, I like those guys. Pat Bryant's bigger than you think he is, yeah. but he's certainly not – a huge receiver. Casey Washington has some length on him, right? Um, but he's been inconsistent, but at times he's made some big catches as well. So I think we're mid-range in the receiver department. Um, you know, there was the one guy out of Florida, was it Washington or somebody else that I mentioned to you that I liked? Um, not Washington, really fast guy, tiny. Canary Wilcher, um, yeah. Wilcher, Wilcher, Washington, about the same thing. You know, announcers, <laughs> we mess it up all the time. Um I think I think Wilcher's a guy they're extremely high on. Uh, and there's a reason you're you can't be that productive in the state of Florida and not be good. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean you just uh, you can't play high school football in Florida at a decent sized high school and score that many touchdowns have that many yards and not know how to have instincts and catch football. Now is he undersized? Sure. I think he's going to be dangerous. I think we've got in Beatty, uh Hank Beatty in Wilcher and, and also in Isaiah Williams, we, we're, we're as strong as anybody at the slot position. I really do. On the outside, do we have a do we have a Marvin Harrison Jr.? No, we, we, we don't, right? I mean, that that's probably the best. That, that's an extreme example because he's probably a top two or three pick next year. But do you have don't a, have that do you have guy. A, do you have a Malik Turner, right? Do, do you have a Geronimo Allison? I, I think Pat Bryan yeah. is so key to that, of being yeah. that kind of presence. We know what Casey is, which is a really solid, yeah. reliable guy. Great right. hands, good blocker. Um, but, you know, Malik Elzey coming in, they're, they're looking at some JUCOs, and there's a reason for it, right? Like, they – they need some more depth there. Yeah, I mean, there was, and then I know they were they were high on Sean Miller. Yeah, last year, right? And didn't Sean get hurt? 
Two injuries. Yeah, I I feel like he's a guy that could have been a breakout candidate this year, but coming off a shoulder injury and a knee injury, okay, you can't you can't bet on him, right? Like you hope. I mean, he's supposed to be back by the summer, but I right, he's supposed to be back by camp, but I I I don't know. I I mean, that's something they were they were high on. Um, The kid that uh, was out of uh, Oak Park, maybe Fenwick, we got from Cincinnati. Ian Pugh. Uh, you know, well, th- there's some guys that we've we've won some battles on. Malik Elsey, one of those guys for sure, right? I mean, um, Colin Dixon out of Ohio coming in in the right. summer, like they they have some young guys, but they're young, right? <laughs> they're yeah, they're young, young, but they, they the thing is, we, we've actually had to beat guys out for them, mm-hmm. right? Oh, um, and and that's the important part is that we're beating the right teams out for it, and they see enough of a vision offensively to say. Yeah, I'm going to do this. So they're saying the right thing. I don't think you get those guys to come if you're not saying, hey, we're going to throw the football as well. Yeah. Uh, Luke Forgum, Michael Marquez had a nice last season here for, for Illinois. Sure. is a complimentary piece. Can they get more out of this tight end group in the passing game? I, I really like Tip. I've always been high on Tip. I don't think a lot of people are high on Tip. Uh, if you ever go down on the field, which I know you do, but if you ever, if any of the fans have a chance to go down on the field, go next to Tip Ryman. It's a big boy. Uh, you know, remember that Cisco song, Dumps Like a Truck, Truck, Thighs Like What, What, What? I mean, that's where I see Tip Ryman. I mean, the guy's got thunder thighs. He's a big boy. Sure does. He's, he's like a cross between a tackle and a tight end. He's come, a, he's come a long way from a six-foot-five, 200-pound walk-on, that's for sure. Right. I mean, he's developed quite a bit. Now, I, I like Tip a lot. I think the, the biggest thing for Tip is confidence. He's had some times where he's had some drops. I think he can be as good as – I think he can be an NFL tight end. Not a lot of people think that, I know, but but you think of the way he can block at the point of attack, and he's got to beat out Luke Ford last year. That, that that's that's the honest truth, right? I think so. I think he's solid. I saw it. I'm sorry, I don't have all my names down, but I did see a tall guy getting a lot of reps. Henry Boyer. He's, he's Boyer. yes, he's so a I big dude. Boyer's young, and he's put on a lot of weight since even he got here. But I think that guy could be a good player, uh, Henry Boyer. I think we're going to see reps and. I, and, you know, I I won't mention it because I know Fagan is a – Caden Fagan is a uh, tailback. But I think you could run him at what we call the H. Uh, H-back is like a kind of running back slash tight end and big enough to block at the point. Of, you can also play Caden Fagan in a lot of positions. Let's be honest. You can play him at linebacker, play him at outside linebacker. You can play him everywhere, right? Jordan Anderson's the same way. They like his potential as an H-back, yeah. Right, as an, as an H. So, like, those guys, you look at those guys, and, and here's why that's so valuable from a coach's perspective. And this is what Iowa has done for years on the H-back and fullback and tight end. You get a guy like that that's, let's say, 6'3", 6'4", 245. You can play him on all four special teams. Kickoff, kickoff return, punt, punt running. You might not think that's a big deal. That's a huge deal, a guy that can do all that stuff, okay? You can also plug him in to fill in, not only be a key back to be the running back, but to but to get five or six carries, to get two or three catches, and to block at the point of attack where people don't realize this, but the defensive corner is calling his defense basically on who's in the game. So if there's you know, whatever personnel is in the game. So if there's two tight ends and two backs, oh my gosh, they're going to run the ball. If there's four tight ends, I mean, if there's if there's four receivers and one back, well, it's a different defense. Well, when you start getting these hybrid guys, that could be a running back, it could be a receiver. It gets very hard to call these defenses because, wait, Kane Fagan could line up at receiver. Oh, wait, now, now he's an H-back. Now it's a two tight end defense, two tight end offense, and now we're in nickel, and now we don't have enough to stop the run, mm-hmm. right? So I think people forget that from a defensive corner's perspective, if I have offensive players that could be in different positions, 
you know, even Isaiah Williams, running back, or is he at receiver? It throws off the call that you're going to make and the personnel that's in there. You can change the call on the fly. You can't change the personnel that's in the game, yep. right? Because once you sub, you subbed. And so those are different things that people have to think about. Yeah, no, good point. Uh, Griffin Moore is a name I want to mention, kind of like Marquise could potentially play that kind of role. For shout out to Griffin Moore's dad, Tom Moore. Tom Moore was a coach, uh, Tim Moore, excuse me, yeah. was a coach at Champagne Central for my brothers back in the day. Moved to Bloomington, another Champagne Central rival. <laughs> and obviously Griffin has uh, taken on uh, his dad's football prowess. So congrats to Tim Moore and Griffin Moore. I like Griffin. He's really waited his turn, Yeah. right? So I think he's going to be very solid. Coach's kid, um, Coach's kid, that was a high school coach's kid. I think his dad's an administrator at Bloomington, but I like Griffin more, and uh, I like the more family. Running back, Jay, uh, you mentioned it. I, th- this dynamic is interesting to me because I don't blame Barry Lenny and Brett Bielma for riding Chase Brown last year. He was by far their best player. He was, you saw in the Michigan game what that did for them. They had a chance to win because of what Chase Brown right. was doing in that game. But I, I do feel like there's a, there's a double-edged sword here where it's like, there's a little pressure off of Lonnie that I don't have to go to this guy. Like the running back committee, there's different running backs. There's different options he can go to. Mm-hmm. I'm just really intrigued to see how this goes. Cause you lose the best offensive player on your team, but you hope to be a little bit more dynamic, a little bit more diverse. I'm, I'm interested to see how that all goes in running back. I am too. And I'm interested to know, understand why my, why my lighting just went up there. It came back. There we go. Does it look better? A little bit better. Okay. Anyway, uh, well, you said it. I think it gives Lonnie a lot more freedom. Uh, no no knock, no knock on Chase Brown. At some times, though, it felt like he was their best player. They were trying to get him more yards. They were trying to get him the Heisman. They were trying to – it seemed like that, right? Sometimes in fourth quarter, like, we don't need him in there. But we're trying to get more yards for him, right? And I get that. Dude, I want Chase Brown to win. I want him to win a Heisman. So I I get that. Like, And the other thing is, Jay, they struggled to score in the fourth quarter. They, they struggled to score in the red zone. Chase right. was tired. And Chase is great at a lot of things. Right. He's not a goal line guy. He's not a move the pile guy. So, no. well, what's so interesting to me is the the backs are, are are interesting. You know, you got like Aiden Lawfrey, who's just you know all speed, and you've got you know guys like McCray and Fagan and Jordan Anderson that are just man. And you got Reggie Love, who's kind of in between all those guys, right? Who well, I think Reggie Love probably gets the bulk of the carries initially to start out I, I don't I don't know and bolt could be he gets seven and everyone else gets four like I mean that that's what I'm thinking and so I think it brings a lot of freedom to uh, a lot of freedom to Barry Lunny to mix it up to be innovative and to not have a a, a touch count that we got to get somebody you know the ball enough I think we're gonna see that so I'm excited about that yeah just a little less predictable um but okay what do you, what do you think of love and McCray Bielma said those guys those are the guys we'll see if right. jordan anderson aiden lawford get in somebody's probably gonna get hurt at this position pretty amazing chase really didn't get nicked up too bad until late in the year um with 300 plus carries but what what do you think of those guys at the top of the rotation you know here's the thing i i had my doubts about reggie reggie really impressed me though in um in in the game against northwestern he impressed me um in the bowl game some. I know that we didn't have a ton of offensive success, but I think Reggie's a very solid player. And Reggie's been a solid player for a long time, kind of waited his opportunity. So I'm very confident that Reggie Love is a legitimate Big Ten back. I really, I, I think that. D'Angelo McCray, uh, not D'Angelo McCray, Josh McCray. D'Angelo McCray was the guy I played with. Guys, you're getting all the names mixed up. Josh, that's the fourth time I've done that. 
I did hear a Big Ten announcer say though, uh, they didn't even they didn't they, they call him Josh McCrary, which was horrible. Yeah. By the yeah. way. At least you got the last name man. right. Yeah, that was bad. So uh, I think I think there goes my light again. But no, who cares? Josh McCray. Um, I, well, here's what I think. What what I, what I like about him is when he gets rolling, he's as good as anybody, right? But I think we've had trouble last year. Let's just say that was a outlier. He was never healthy. When he gets rolling, though, his ability to run people over and wear them down is special. We saw that in 2021. I think he'll be back with that. I really do. But here's the thing. You've got to be patient with him, mm-hmm. right? You, you, you can't – he's not a – this is where I get worried about the running back with committee with McCray. If you're not sustaining drives and he's getting three to four carries a half, it's not enough. He actually does best Great point. seven, eight carries a half and getting into the fourth quarter and getting better into that short yardage. And I want to see him more as a seven-yard back, not as like a – because because Chase could run the ball out of the shotgun, meaning – he has the acceleration to do that. I want to see some more stuff under center for McCray that gives him seven yards to get his feet going, right? Because think about it. If you're in a traditional eye formation, you have more time to get your feet going and rolling. If I'm in the zone, if I'm in the zone read, shotgun formation, then I'm really sidestepping and then I've got to accelerate. And I'm not sure that's his best game. That's great insight, from uh, Jay. But I agree with you because – Think of the Penn State game. It was carry 20, 21, 22, right. where he was just uh, really, really wearing on them. Uh, offensive line gets two huge returners, Julian Pearl, Isaiah Adams, who was just a monster at times. You want you want to see some consistency, but first year of the Big Ten sure. was pretty dang good. Uh, but you got a couple other spots you got to fill. We'll see how Zy Chrysler and Jordan Slaughter, uh, if they end up starters, Josh Geske and Josh Kruitz get opportunities. They're looking to add a transfer offensive lineman potentially at center. Um, can this offensive line remain one of the better groups in the Big Ten, Jay? Well, I think they've got you know they've got two guys that are really I mean they're, they're, they feel really good about and Julian Pearl and Isaiah Adams, right? And I think if you're going to run the football with Illinois, Evans, you're probably going to go along that left side, probably, right? I mean you're probably or you're going to have Adams pull around and whatnot. Um, I think the soul line is going to be solid. We still don't have the depth that you really want on the offensive line. I think we're one injury away away from really having a disaster at the offensive line. I really do. Because it, because if, if that, that's really a thin area still for this football team. And, uh, you know, I hope they get the transfer and whatnot. I'm not sure, uh, you know, losing Palcho, Pilstrom as well, um, those guys were really, really solid uh, in their play. And so I don't know if you just replace a 60-year guy and a 50-year guy like that, uh, but I, I think they'll be solid, but I think we'll be thin. Yeah. All right, Jay, just wrapping up, special teams wasn't very good last year. Um, and it cost them, cost them games. Um, one of a couple things. But Robbie Disher comes in as the new special teams coordinator. Uh, what, what do you think is the key for him and for that group? Well, first off, let me just say that it's hard when you have coaching changes, right? I mean, so we, you know, you, you've had um, uh, it was Coach Snyder last year for like an interim year, right, to fill in for um, the coach that was not feeling well. Um, yeah, man, and then. Uh, you know, so but Robbie Disher has a, has a lot did, did a lot of great things at Tulane, from what I could see, right? Um, here's the thing: the deeper your football team gets, 
the better your coverage units and everything else gets, right? The better your kickoff, kickoff return, which by the way, is not nearly as important right now because of the kickoff rules, right? I mean, it's not as, it doesn't make it as big enough. It doesn't make as big a deal as it was when I played when there wasn't a ton of touchbacks. But really your punt, your punt return, your field goal team is really what we're talking about the special teams. You're gonna get better as your backups get better because a lot of your backups will run that, right? And then, so as we get deeper, we'll be better at that. Specialist-wise, though, um, you know, we we were really spoiled for years with James McCourt and um, and 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 uh, Boy Gaze. Boy Gaze, right? So we, we didn't have the best punting game last year, and uh, I would tell you, Caleb Griffin would tell you he could probably be better, right? And I like Caleb Griffin, and, and I think Caleb Griffin might have a breakout year this year. I think he has the ability to have, and he has the leg strength to do that. You know, but one thing that goes underrated with him and Illinois here recently kickers is their kickoffs, Jay. It's, it's almost right. always a touchback. Well, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, that's something to, you know, we don't want to take for granted, but like, that's a big deal. Right. So I would just say this, I, I think Caleb Griffin and, and, are we going to have the same punter, Hugh? Uh, yeah. Cause Hugh, Hugh did end the year. Well, he did. He started tough. He ended the year well, and for what we saw in spring, he was pretty good. It's just consistency with him, right? Right. So, um, I, I think we got the guys. We know we're going to be our specialists. Is this can we execute and, and do some things? And from from what Brett has mentioned in the brief time people ask about special teams, he thinks Disher is really going to make a difference yeah. in in this in this field. Which I think, as we get into close games, is you know a lot of times it comes down to special teams and turnovers. All right, Jay. Just wrapping this up. Thank you for almost 45 minutes here of your time. What are your expectations for Illinois football in year three of, of Brett Bielma following their best year in 15 years? Oh, yeah, that, that's a great question. Uh, first off, I think this is an interesting year because it's really probably the last year of the West Division as we know it, right? Um, I think that we've had a coaching upgrade in the Big Ten West um, with Matt Rule coming over to Nebraska and of course Luke Fickle probably one of the more coveted uh, you know head coaching candidates out there but I also think they're going to be going through rebuilding times I don't think Wisconsin is going to be amazing just because Luke Fickle got there right away I don't think Nebraska is going to be amazing right away they've got a lot of stuff they've got to build up Iowa's going to be Iowa with Cade McNamara I never thought Cade was that great anyway I thought he had a great defense in 2021. But, I mean, I also said the same thing about Tanner Morgan. And I, I went back and forth on that as he would play, right? I think it's wide open. I really do. I don't think there's any reason why Illinois can't be highly competitive in the Big Ten West and possibly be in Indianapolis, right? But when I look at it, too, I don't know if their defense can be as dominant yep. as what they were, right? And so um, – if I had to, if you had to say, Jay, what what do you think they're they're gonna be at next year? I would say I would put them anywhere between seven and nine wins, and I would give them eight wins, probably. They're kind of the same where, where they're at. That's kind of where I'm at right now. Yeah. I'm sure they have bigger goals than that, and they should shoot for bigger goals than that. I'm sure they, they want to be undefeated and whatnot. But as I look at it as jet as objectively as I can, being an alumni and former player, and you know, when I get to see the other teams mm-hmm. play. I think that's kind of where their talent level is and where they're, um, you know, where they're at as a program as far as Brett Bielema building this thing. Doesn't mean they couldn't jump up to double-digit wins. It doesn't mean they couldn't drop down to five or six wins. Yeah. But that's kind of where I see him at. 
Yeah, Jay, I'm with you when you broke down those West teams. Like, I, I think Iowa's four is the highest um, just because of how great Phil Parker's defense is, and their offense can't get worse. They've added talent. They did a right. good job in the transfer portal. Um, so I, I think they're probably my team to beat just because I think they have the highest right. four. The highest ceiling might be Wisconsin, but as you know, as we've seen, you know they've added some talent, but that's a lot of transfers. It's a lot of new coaches that takes time mm-hmm. to implement. Um, so I, I think Wisconsin can compete for the title, but I just – think there's a little bit more variance with them i think illinois is the next team with like the next highest four like minnesota lost a lot i I have a lot of respect for pj flex program i think they'll be solid just like illinois nebraska's a rebuild uh northwestern you gotta show me something i mean throughout the last four years being the worst team in the big 10 west uh and i I, purdue that's a lot of change too i have so much respect for ryan walters and i think he eventually be a really good head coach but that's a lot of change in that program that had a lot to replace so uh i agree with you i think the west is is wide open and that's why going to the next year 2024 when you have no divisions likely it's going to be a different animal for illinois totally different animal and i would just say anytime you have three new coaches in any division it's a time to have an opportunity yeah. right i mean for sure um and this is where Iowa has thrived, where they've had consistency on their coaching and what they're doing, no matter what people are doing, changing. It's why Northwestern thrived for so long too. But this is the time, and this is why Illinois was always in flux. Like we never really had the guy. Now we have a guy at the right time. I would think that, I would hope that the program, you know, would be disappointed if they didn't win the Big Ten West, at least Illinois, from a goal perspective, when they were, this close last year, right? And so it's that they've got a lot to prove. Uh, a lot of it hinges, a lot of it hinges on quarterback play as always, mm-hmm. but also the ability for the defense to be the Illinois defense we came to know last year, and how different that's going to be because we've got you know three or four guys that are not there that were there, and so it's, it's going to be a different team. Jay Lehman, you are the goods man. We appreciate the time. It was great checking in with you, and I know the fans appreciate your insight as always. We'll have to do this uh, closer to. Uh, you know, preseason about a month out before the season. It'd be great. To oh, yeah, up. man. When, when it starts getting, you know, the weather starts getting hot and sticky. You know, it reminds me of Rantoul. I don't go to Rantoul anymore. But when I start thinking about Rantoul late July, I start the, like, cold sweats of, like, man, I really don't want to go back to the fan marker in or the quarters in and suites. Whatever it is. If you've been to Rantoul, you know what I'm talking about. Stop by there, though. They got a new sports complex. So, hang out there. I should get you and Britt Miller on this podcast just to talk about Camp Rantoul. Oh, we should do it. I'll, I'll do it with Britt, man. It was – yeah, it was – uh it was interesting. It's, you know, interesting is one of those adjectives you can use and you can kind of make whatever you want up. It's like breathtaking, interesting, you know, and that, that, that's what it was. So we had tons of stories about that. Jay Lehman. Thank you, buddy. See you. Great stuff as always from the one, the only Jay Lehman. Hope you enjoyed that. I do. Uh, I learn something new every time we talk with Jay Lehman. So always appreciate his time. Thank you for listening to the Illini Guire podcast. Give us a follow rating review wherever you get your podcast. Of course, a lot going down with Illinois basketball and uh, Illinois football as always. Illini golf getting ready for their NCAA championships. Illinois baseball spent the Big Ten tournament. Check it all out at IlliniInquire.com. Everybody have a great day. Take care of each other. We'll talk to you next time right here on the Illini Enquirer podcast. Bye, everybody.